Welcome back to another edition of the Earn the Title podcast. Two for two. All right. <laughs> Where every week and week after week we are earning the title. Not only that, we are overachieving because <laughs> this is one of the greatest podcasts to ever hit iTunes. So at least that's what my mom says. <laughs> I have gotten a lot of compliments. People are enjoying it, and if you are enjoying it, make sure you leave us a rating and a review. We know we are on the Real Life Church podcast. It's kind of our midweek, and uh, but uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And even if you are so bold as to share it with a friend, mm-hmm. it could change their life forever. Today's podcast is sponsored by, yes, you heard me right, it is sponsored by Real Kids. Learning. Yeah, Real Kids Real Learning. Kids learning. We are in the assistant director's office recording on location. If you've if you've listened week over week, you might find that the background noise is sometimes better or worse than other weeks. That's because our building is old and everywhere we go. First of all, well let, let me give you a couple things. We have a producer in the room. His name is Taylor Murray, and he is completely unskilled 100% about all of these things. We have a mic, I plug it in, we do our best to make it sound okay. Yeah. And uh, we, the first couple weeks, we were up in the baptismal, and you can hear the road noise. Anytime a car drives by, you can hear it. You can Which hear is rain. also true on Sundays. Yes. You can hear rain. Last night, we, last night we had youth, and we were doing a, um, a panel, a leader's panel, and there was a helicopter flying over. Yeah, I heard that over our minutes. house. Yeah. And we had to literally stop because it was so loud because they, right, they must have been right over our building. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you could hear it leave, but you can hear everything in the building. So we, we started going downstairs into the old intern's office, and but you can still hear real kids. So now we are in the furthest cavern of the building mm-hmm. in what used to be, I don't even know what it was before, but it is it is the furthest away little tiny office. And so hopefully, maybe this is our more permanent spot. Yeah, shout out to Tammy for letting us record in her office. Thank you. Amazing. Tammy. Yeah. So that's our sponsor for today. Mm-hmm. And the question I have for you, Ed, we're talking about hope. Mm-hmm. One thing that you are looking forward to doing, you cannot do now, post-pandemic. Oh, man. Just prolonged, like, hanging out at a great restaurant. Mm. Just, like, posting up, doing appetizers, having a meal, doing dessert, friends. Like, that that whole vibe. You know what I mean? Like, finding a restaurant, going with your friends, just being out, like, hitting Ballard, mm. ice cream, dinner, the whole thing coffee, making an afternoon of it. That's going to be great. I would love to be in a movie theater oh, and get and sneezed Disneyland. on. Get sneezed on. You want to get sneezed on in a movie theater? Well, I long for the day where getting sneezed on didn't mean more than it did. Yeah. yeah. You might have caught a cold. Might look back, rolled your eyes, and someone said, ew, gross. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Now, it could spread the next <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> so, and Disneyland. I want to yeah. see a movie in Disneyland. Yeah, dude. So, I'm, I'm down. What is your hope for the end of the 2020-21 football season? Wow. That's a big... So as a, <laughs> as a Patriots fan, as a Patriots fan, I have uh, experienced sustained losing for the first time in a long time. And um, it's hurt. I'll be honest. It hurts. I'm not used to that. Um, I, my, my hope, well, first and foremost for 2020 to 2021 is that uh, the season actually gets to finish. That's the first hope, is that we don't end up with so many COVID complications that they have to shut the season down. Um, and then I just, I just, I'm thankful for sports. I'm just thankful that I have sports to watch and to observe. I'm excited to go watch the Hawks game tonight. Um, we're we're going to win tonight. I think, see, here's my theory. This is my theory. 
Russ does not throw interceptions, first of all. He never does. Except he has he's sec- Except he's thrown 10 in the last, what, five games? Yeah. So, so pathetic. Come on, Russ. You can do better than that. So he but, does throw interceptions. But he doesn't. Historically, Russ is not an interception thrower. Here's my theory. He had a concussion the last two weeks. Mm. This is my theory. He had a concussion. Wasn't in his right mind. Not only that, COVID, he had it. He had COVID. Maybe. He had a COVID cushion? Yes. Wow. COVID cushion. And, but now he's healed. He's going to come into tonight. He's going to throw six interceptions. Or six (laughs) interceptions. That's not going to happen. He's going to throw six touchdowns, 487 yards. He might even run for a seventh number of completion. He will do all of this because his concussion is worn off. Mm. He's back to his MVP self. Mm -hmm. And we are running all the way to 13-3 and as we enter into the postseason where we will win the Super Bowl. That is my theory. Okay? Yeah. So speaking of concussions, Ed, tell us your story. (laughs) I gave myself a concussion over the weekend. You know what? I realized I don't think I've brought up that I do CrossFit on this podcast, which, which is the longest I've gone in any medium without talking about CrossFit. But I was doing a CrossFit workout. On Friday? Do you think your box would would sponsor us? Yeah, absolutely. I was doing a uh, crossword workout on Friday and went to do a snatch and smacked my forehead into the barbell as it was passing my face. And uh, they don't think I broke my nose, which is good. That's um, wild. But I definitely gave myself a low-grade concussion. And so I've been avoiding lights. And so you, you came in today and you were like, dude, why are you working in the dark? Because I was told to avoid light. <laughs> And uh, I haven't been watching much TV, and I've been sleeping a lot. I'm recovering well. I'll be okay. Um, but if I say something that doesn't make sense today, that's that's what it's from. We'll give you a pass. So Thank next you. week, you we will be sponsored by, uh, by CrossFit, CrossFit Devotion. CrossFit, CrossFit Devotion. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, the sponsorships are raking, and now it's really just prioritizing who do we want to feature yeah. first. But yeah, exactly. Um, if you would still like to sponsor, for instance, with some donuts, cookies, pizza, food, candy, money or uh, any kind of services, we would gladly receive those services. So, um, you know, this week has been an interesting one, uh, really across the West Coast, particularly here in in Washington, Um, and then as it pertains to businesses, churches, and really the felt um, kind of reality and lived experience of people now. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone receives it differently. You know, we've we've been in the sustained period of, of lockdowns or quarantine or adjusted rhythm, I don't know about you, but over the last couple months, there was at least some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. Restaurants were open-ish. Um, you know, you could start to sit in coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, life was moving kind of a little bit. You know, that tail end of summer and then into the fall, falls beautiful out here. So even though it was still withheld a little bit, there was some normalcy and it was nice. It was, it was starting to like, all right, I know church is still a little bit adjusted, but you know what? We're doing okay. We're learning a lot. And this is good. This is good for us. And, and it's kind of like, okay, different areas of leadership are being pushed on and, and grown or revealed or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you felt that, but it was, it was this, it was this, okay, we're doing okay. We're mm-hmm. moving. And then this week, you know, we get another round of lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, what was going through your mind when you first heard about those and, as it pertains to us? here in church, but even as Christians and, and in this season, what, what was going through your mind when you heard about those? Yeah, well, with my job with the church, I, I sat out in second service and actually watched uh, Governor Inslee's presentation live with a couple of our ops people. And um, man, it was it was tough. I would say for some reason, even though this these new regulations are less quote unquote restricting than the shutdown in March, um, mm. these feel more restricting. 
Um, I think there's a bit of sacredness to the holidays and knowing that that's going to look different this year um, is really tough. When I think it comes to the church, and, and I think just the current state of our world, I've, I've had to do a lot of reading and considering and prayer around talking about hope today. Where is my hope in? I think it is, it is very easy to put our hope in things that we see and our, our ability to predict what we think the outcome will be. Hmm. And in a season when what I'm hoping for is even hard to predict that that would happen, I think all of us are having to wrestle with where is our hope. Yeah. Um, I don't think our I think we're learning our hope can't be in the political state of our country. I think we're learning our hope can't be in how COVID is going to be handled or not handled. I don't I, I and I think even for some of us, I think our hope can't be in the rhythms and routines that we've built our life upon. I think we're having to realize that man, our hope has to go deeper than that. And um, and for me, really wrestling with, okay, that is my faith. But when I say that, what's that mean? Like yeah. having hope in Christ, like what, what's that actually mean? What's that, what's the felt experience or even the intellectual attainment of having quote unquote hope in Christ? Because I think that's a phrase we toss around very easily. Um, and, and I know I've said it and I've heard us say it as leaders in our church. Hey, put your hope in Christ. But then it's, well, what, what's the handles on that look like? Yeah. What's that feel like? What's walking that out look like? Yeah, well, it, it's easy to hope when, if, if we were to go along with the, the scriptural analogy of, you know, your hope as an anchor, right? It's an anchor for your souls, firm and secure. Um, if you're in a still lake, like there's, there's no, you don't even need it. Mm-hmm. Like you can put it down, feel confident and not even like, look where my anchor is. Isn't that so cute? Mm-hmm. I am a believer in Christ and he's the reason I'm here. And in reality, it's like, no, the reason you're here is because the waters are calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we're all being honest, there's a bit of that in all of us mm-hmm. where, no, the reason that we're doing great is not because our hope is in Jesus. And, and I be, believe at a, at a macro level, of course, yeah, it is the anchor for our souls that when we're high, when we're low, when we're good, when we're bad, that Jesus is our anchor. But then when life and the rhythms and everything that you've known begins to get shaken mm-hmm at its core without the promise of returning to where you were before. Like I, I think of um, uh, the movie Moana, one of one of um, our kids' favorite movies. And we just watched it's it the other day. Movie. It is a great movie. The Rock killed in that movie. Yeah, it's, it's such a great movie. But the character Moana basically goes to restore the heart of Tafiti, which is there's a, it's a, just a really great story. And someday I'm going to preach a sermon where, where she puts the heart back in. And it's like, this does not define. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. But... Um, I was thinking about when um, she sails off with all of this excitement. Like she's got this boat, this little little boat, and her and her chicken, they sail off, and, and it's exciting, but then a storm comes. And then it clicks over to this next scene where she woke up from the storm. The storm is gone. The sun is out and the waters are calm. Yet she is not where she was. Mm-hmm. She's on this random island where she never anticipated being. Of course, then she goes and meets, um, she meets... What's his name? Why am I forgetting it? The, the Rock's character? Don't ask the guy with the concussion. <laughs> and I've seen it. I've seen it so many times that now I can't even remember his name. Um, but you know, so she she meets his character, and and it's like everything goes from there. But it's so funny because when when we get when the storms come, we think, okay, I've got to outlast the storm, and you know, we can tear apart the anchor analogy. But a lot of times, we don't actually have a guarantee that what it looked like pre-storm 
is what it will look like post-storm. Well, I love Matthew Henry says that that anchor for our souls is meant to move. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful concept that that anchor is not a hunker down Mm -hmm. and wait until Jesus comes back. That's not the approach that's being spoken about. It's uh, in the midst of various trials and circumstances, you can still find this cementing firm foundation for your soul. And I, I, I know for me, the concept of this peace reaching my soul, and it's something that um, it, that's powerful to me because it means that it transcends my emotion. It means I cannot feel hope and still possess it. Mm. It means that I, I can be experiencing circumstance that should say you have no hope and still believe the best is yet to come because this hope is taking up occupancy in my soul. And I, I have found that very freeing. Um, though those two thoughts, all right, if, if this hope is something for my soul, then it means it's something that I take with me regardless of where I find myself. Because if we're not careful, we can adopt a humanistic view of hope, which is as long as my situation is predictable and I feel like I have control over the outcome and that I feel like I have hope. And life is too complex, too complicated, and too nuanced for us to have a hope that's based on our predictability and ability to control circumstance. Um, and again, that does not mean that I don't feel a lack of hope at all. Like I, there are situations in Brittany and I's life right now where I feel a lack. I feel mm-hmm. a lack of hope. Yeah. But I still have hope because my hope is not based in circumstance. It's something that occupies my soul because of what Jesus did and mm-hmm. because of him still working and moving in my life. Uh, could there be situations... I, I'm asking this actually knowing the answer because at least for me where and again this analogy could fall apart but where there were anchors or there were uh, areas in your life your soul your mind your rhythms your day your habits whatever relationships where the anchor wasn't there mm-hmm. where the anchor was in the boat and and but the water was calm enough to give you a false sense of security right yeah and where you didn't you didn't have it down part of my question is, is where do we see that? But part of it is, is it ever too late Mm -hmm. to anchor? Like what if, what if we're in the storm and we're like, Oh crap, my anchor wasn't down. There's water in the boat now. Is it at that point too late to anchor? Well, if, if hope is only displayed an outcome, then I would say yes. If our hope is based in Jesus working out the sanctification process of us becoming more like him, and reconciling that portion of our life back to Christ and us being able to use that part of our story to speak to the faithfulness of God, not in an outcome. Like, for example, um, my grandpa had Alzheimer's and passed away from complications of that. And I prayed for years. My grandpa was a missionary in Africa and uh, for 20 years gave his life to that, my grandparents. If there was someone who didn't deserve to die from Alzheimer's, it was him, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and But but I, I realized along the way that if the only way I believed I would have hope is if my grandpa was healed, then I was cheapening hope that settles my soul. Yeah. So hope cannot be based in outcome. Hope has to be based in the process. And if I really believe that God's working all things together for good, that means I can live a life where the outcome is not what I wanted but still have hope that God is faithful and still believe that God is faithful. And that, that has been a challenge because I'm a, I'm a competitive, con- like absolutely pulling stuff responsibility based person. And so it is very easy for me to assume 
that I'm going to hope for a specific outcome and then slip into a humanistic definition of it where it's based on the outcome. And I, I think God's bigger than that. I think God, God is asking us to place our hope not that what we desired would happen, but that he has the capacity to work whatever happens together yes. for his good and his glory. Well, and it's, it's the hope's not in the outcome. It's in the God of the outcome. Yeah. Trusting that the God, that God that we put our hope in, that there's, there's the mic, and maybe this is semantics, but it's the micro outcome and the macro outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think the macro outcome, that's, that's the purposes of God. That is the, the long-standing scope of the work of God and what he, he will accomplish, his will on this earth. And sometimes the micro outcome, and, and I think it would be right of us to, or wrong of us to diminish um, the validity of what we feel about the micro. Oh, 100%. Right? So like yeah. uh, down to um, when it comes to our families, our kids, wives, life, um, you know, COVID and, and jobs and, and locations and houses. And, you know, you guys just, you guys just sold your house and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you can go day to day, really feeling real feelings that matter about your future and security and finances. Mm-hmm. And, but there's the macro purposes of God that that is where we say, you know what? I'm trusting in God, knowing that his macro purpose, which envelops this micro, these micro things, I'm putting my hope in the big part, mm-hmm. knowing that sometimes the greatest seasons of my life, greatest moments, um, down to the worst things that, that they got redeemed. Um, and I look back and think, man, when my hope was in that thing, like when I was 17 and I was dating my girlfriend, mm-hmm. my hope was that we would get married. My hope was that when she broke up with me, that she would get back together with me, which she did not. I'm so thankful because I am not married to her today. <laughs> we'll just we'll leave it at that. But my hope was in that. But my hope that transcends it is my hope was in God that he knew, uh, what he'd called me to knew he, who he'd created me to be. Uh, he knew before I knew Noel, he knew Noel mm-hmm. and knew was preparing Noel for me, was preparing me for Noel. I'm thankful that my hope was disappointed in the micro, mm-hmm. but my hope has never been disappointed in the macro, yeah. in the story of God, in the purpose of God, in the grand scheme of things of what God is doing on the earth. That is where I'm going to anchor my hope. And ultimately, even I'm going to leave that loose, and ultimately, it's in Jesus. It's in him alone. And there are times where I thought the macro story was going to look different. But at the end of the day, I mean, I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We are putting our hope in the bigger picture, in the purposes of God, because he knows what he's doing. He saw this coming, and he sees beyond it. Well, and I think I think that idea of God working all things together for good, and even that God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can hope or ask for, ties into what we're talking about because if i tie hope to a specific outcome then i i at a psychological level am cognitively tunneling in on this is the one expression of my hope being fulfilled when i would ask the question and i'm learning to ask this question in my life if i've cognitively tunneled in on that one thing what am i missing that god's working and doing and maybe trying to establish in a completely different area of my life and so that's why I think this idea of, of your like what you're saying, micro versus macro or outcome versus process becomes so important because if if we end up saying this is the one way, like for me with my grandpa, this is the one way for my hope to be fulfilled is that he's healed. Yeah. Then I miss the fact, like I've, I've talked about this before in messages, I miss the fact that like the doctor told my mom, your, your dad, my grandpa, should be a vegetable. There is no gray matter in his frontal cortex. It wow. makes no sense why he's still functioning. But I was so focused on, 
I want my grandpa healed of Alzheimer's that I was missing the miracle that I should have been having built my hope in the midst of that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we get so honed in on this is the one way that my hope will be fulfilled, we miss all the ways that God is building our hope and working things together for good and doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we could ask, think, or imagine. I, I think I think we got to stop taking, and, and again, from a guy who is responsibility-driven. Yeah. Like, I want my hope to be based on the predictability of my own personal actions. Yeah. And I think that cheapens my faith. Well, what's dumb, what's dumb, um, is that we've learned this lesson a thousand times before, and yet God keeps teaching it to us, Mm -hmm. right? What's your hope in? And I was thinking about, um, my kids do this. (laughs) I'm learning it. And uh, like like father, like kids. Um, And we did this. Uh, My parents would catch us in a fight or punish us for something, whatever it might be. And in anyone knows this that had brothers or sisters um, or was ever punished, whether it's by their parents or at school or what elsewhere. And what you do is when you get caught, what do you do? You quickly fix your behavior mm-hmm. so that the eyes of your teacher or the eyes of your mom or whoever are taken off of you. Mm-hmm. And you may have even intended to modify your behavior so that you could do what's right. But then their scrutiny leaves and you're able to return to normal. Mm-hmm. And then you start living that way again. You start hitting your brother again. You start uh, talking back. You start drawing doodles on your desk, whatever it is, right? And I think maybe there's a church lesson in that where God to his church. I'm not saying God caused these lockdowns. I'm, I, I, I don't like the pressure it puts. And there's we could do a whole series of podcasts talking about you know, worship and, and all of that kind of stuff and, and church and whatnot. But I think God uses these external things and these mandates and whatnot to teach us what are you relying on? But also, hey, did you miss it a few months ago? Mm-hmm. Did you quickly modify your behavior? Like we were, we were talking about it in a meeting the other day, our first ever live stream. I dare you to go back and watch it. Oh, wait, you can't. You know why? Because we deleted it because <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> But it, we, we hit it because you don't want to see it. But it was our most engaged with live stream we've ever had. More comments and more views. But it was poorly done. We'd never done it before. It was our mm-hmm. first time. Well, no, no. The week before, it you was... You used your iPhone. It was my phone sitting on the front seat. And every time someone would move, it would shift it. <laughs> Go back and watch that one. Um, no, we deleted it too. But it's funny because it was so engaged with. Mm-hmm. It was... But it was novel. Everyone's like, yeah, the church is... The church is not a building. It's going to outlast all of this stuff. And we meant well, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It was novel and it was fun and it was cool. But then we get into a sustained, you know, four months to slow the curve, eight months to whatever it's going to be. And we don't, we don't know the future. No. And we come through this and suddenly our attitude is, oh, wait, we were back. And maybe it was a month ago when things were normal-ish. We were back to what we knew pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And God is, I'm not saying God is saying that you shouldn't do that. We're singing some of the same songs and those same songs are, have the same anointing. Mm-hmm. We're preaching still. We will continue to preach the word. We are engaging and, and doing all of those things and drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Those are good things, but our mentality, our attitudes, and sometimes even, and it can be our methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God is saying, Hey, there was something I wanted to teach you and you got it a little bit, got a glimpse, but then you went back. So guess what? Here's another opportunity for you to re-anchor yet mm-hmm. again. I have a feeling in our lifetime we'll continue to learn this. Okay. But I feel like what if we get this right, we're saying, okay, God, what are you trying to teach us that can change the trajectory of our lives, of our church, of, of 
the body of Christ, uh, of our communities. And, and what we're staying anchored to, though, is our hope in Jesus. That literally will not change. Mm-hmm. That's what we come back to. Yeah. You talking made this thought pop in my mind, and it's definitely unformulated a bit. But what if certainty and comfort are the enemy of hope? And I think it is really easy to slip back into what we're certain of, and that makes us comfortable. And what if faith and hope need a bit of an untethering to everything we know, except that Jesus will lead us through, that God will lead us through? And I I think the church, just like anything else, like just like me in my life, and, and we are creatures of habit. And what we're certain about and what's comfortable is meeting on Sunday the way we like to meet on Sunday and putting a podcast out. And like, man, those are certain and they're comfortable. And, and what if what if God has the, the big C church and us as a church within that um, untethered a bit on purpose and saying the, the enemy of where God is taking us would be what we're certain and comfortable about. Yeah. And you look at like the people of Israel, right? Like, or just even Abraham in general, he left not knowing where he was going. Hmm. So he gave up certainty and comfort to step out in hope and to yeah. step out in faith. And I, I think I think there's a bit of that in and, and in no way, like believe me, I got my chair I do my devotions in in the morning. Like that's certain and comfortable. I like I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just I wonder if when I find myself in a prolonged season of that, what is it that I'm missing that God could be taking me into if I got a little bit unanchored? except to the one thing I'm supposed to anchor myself in. Well, being in youth ministry, one of the things we've said year over year is this idea of when you go to your school, you're not just there for school, right? But you are there to get A's and B's, mm-hmm. maybe a couple C pluses. You're C's get degrees, of dude. <laughs> Proof of that. That's good. <laughs> but there's always a secondary purpose, which often actually reveals itself as your primary purpose. Right? Yeah. So you're going to university, but you didn't know that God had you there because you were going to meet a certain friend who would become, you know, a friend years from now that becomes your employer or a connection or whatever. And you start something together or you meet your spouse or you were there to start. Like I talked to a guy who was going to school for business and eventually wanted to be a lawyer. And he started a Bible study, became a massive thing on his campus, started it on other campuses, went and did youth ministry and started a church. Mm -hmm. And he never intended to do that. But he didn't realize God had him on a secondary purpose there mm-hmm. that he eventually realized was his primary purpose. He just didn't know it. Yeah. And in the same way, I think we we do anchor to some things that kind of keep us going in a trajectory. You should do your devos in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like That is a good thing. You should pray and you should worship God. And you should gather with the saints. These are patterns that God has set in scripture for years. But could there be a secondary purpose that God is speaking to the church and speaking to me as an individual, you as an individual, that also reveal themselves over time as, hey, this is actually the real reason I wanted you to go through that. Mm-hmm. You had those things that were good, but this, I needed you to get this, and I had to get you here for you to see it. Mm-hmm. Pastor Steve always says, it doesn't have to work for it, it to work, work right? Yeah. We had Lake Retreat. We thought we purchased that years ago. I mean, that was nine years ago, mm-hmm. which is just wild how fast time has gone. And we thought that was our promised land. And we didn't realize it. We had to get there to see what was next. Yeah. And I would imagine there are some things that God wants us to see from this vantage point that we would never have seen had life been good, had worship been happening the way it was, 
had the church been growing like it was, all of that kind of stuff, maybe we wouldn't have seen what we need to see. Mm-hmm. What can we see right here? And this is this is my question that maybe we can wrap it up with, is what can we see now that we could not see a few months ago? Mm-hmm. What can we see from this vantage point that we'd never imagined seeing before? And I think if we can get that, and if we're always asking that question, it's not it's not the, why did this happen? But it's, okay, God, why, why am I here? And what do you, what do you need me to see? What are you hoping that I get? Because I know you got something hidden for me and I'm going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that in my journal a couple weeks ago. I, I literally wrote, God, whatever lesson it is you have for me to learn in this season, I'd love to learn it and move on. <laughs> and uh, I was, but I, I agree. What, what, I've been asking myself this question. What was it that I took for granted when I was comfortable that I'm so frustrated I'm missing now that that is where the lesson is, you know? So it's like, I, I am a creature of certainty and a creature of habit, yeah. right? And there are tenets of that that I believe are absolutely healthy for me and my personality and I still stand by and I push, I encourage other people to get into. I think there's validity to that. But had I gotten so comfortable and formulaic in my habits and my routines that I had missed being present in the moment, you know? And so it's like something I used to take for granted and now that it's gone, there's the privilege of learning something there now. Mm. And I, 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 I keep coming back to this is a privilege to be in a once in a lifetime pandemic in the middle of an election, the most contested election in our country, well, at least in our lifetime. Yeah. And, um, you know, potential economic frustrations and crisis and racial tension. Like what a privilege, what a privilege to lead and love people yeah. now. Um, and to say 30, 40, 50 years from now, I got to be around when things changed. Yeah. And I also got to be a part of things changing for the better. Mm. And in that process, man, I found some great hope and was reminded of what to anchor myself to. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the passage we've been in on Sundays and we'll talk about this this Sunday is the part where it gets to patient in affliction, mm-hmm. patient in trouble. It's a great clothing brand. Affliction, yeah. like Christian, whatever, Christian yeah. audience. Yeah. I'm never, yeah, that's going to come back somehow. And I'm going to, I'm going to be done. When that comes back, I'll just, you know what, God, this is my moment. I'm, throw, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. But, and if you wear affliction, uh, I love no you shame. still. I love no you. Ed Hardy, same yeah, thing. No shame. But I was reminded of the story. I can't remember who it was. It was an Olympic swimmer or whatever. And she's swimming like this. What was it? The English channel or. I don't know, the whole Pacific Ocean, whatever it was. A massive swim, like, and no one like her had ever done it. And, and she, she does this whole thing and it's so foggy out, right? And she's going, she, but she doesn't have any perspective as to where she is. And she basically finally throws in the towel and she's some 150 feet from the finish line, right? She couldn't see through the fog. Mm -hmm. And I I might be butchering the story, but you get the principle. And this Mm -hmm. is a real story where she gave in. I mean, moments, mm-hmm. moments from finishing. And maybe we're not moments from finishing, but maybe we are. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fruit we want to see, that micro result is right around the corner and maybe it's not. But what if it is? And what if we give in a little bit too soon? Let's come back to hope. Let's be anchored in it. Um, and then let's ask for help when we need it. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's be yeah. okay saying, I want to throw in the towel. Uh, or let's be okay if we stick with that. Let's jump back out of the boat and say, I'm going to keep swimming. I'm not giving up. Yeah. And I may drown, but I'm going to go for it. And God, I'm going to trust God that his purposes remain. Mm-hmm. He's going to see me through. And so that's our encouragement today. Let's let's stick with the hope. 
There it is. Hey, we love you. God bless. Make sure you follow us, uh, subscribe, rate, review, give us some feedback. If you want to sponsor the show, um, we will let you. We love you. See you next time.